Good afternoon, everyone. Um, first of all, thank you for being here. Thank you for our speakers, for your time. Um, we really appreciate that. This event is hosted by the Muslim Student Association and the Arab Student Union. The Arab Student Union is a club representing the Arab students of Moraine Valley Community College. We aim to educate students and the Moraine Valley community about Arab culture and traditions by hosting a various array of events that encourages a better understanding of the Arab world and the American and the Arab American community. Events organized and put together by the ASU involves events su such as the A is for Arab exhibition, which was, uh, which was comprised for several panels tackling the stereotyping of Arabs in the pop culture. ASU partners with organizations from the community, such as Team Palestine for PCRF, to bring to campus events like Run for Peace and raise funds for medical and hum humanitarian purposes for children of the Middle East. The ASU dedicates a lot of its efforts to fundraising, which has allowed it to establish the annually awarded Arab American Excellence Scholarship through Moraine Valley's Foundation. ASU has held many educational events as well on topics such as um, the Syrian refugee crisis and being young and Arab in the US. And now we have um, two of our MSA members to introduce their club. Good afternoon. MSA is a club that stands for Muslim Student Association. Our main goal is to unite all Muslim students and create a positive outlook on Islam. Islam isn't just a religion of peace. It is a religion that unifies us all. Our recent accomplishments include starting a donation drive for Syrian refugees. Our MSA members also volunteered at a fundraising dinner which raised thousands of dollars to Syrian refugees. In our meetings, we brought public speakers who were knowledgeable and gave us good advice to our group members. Our future endeavors include volunteering at the Taste of Marine Valley, Spring Fest, and to collect items for the Homeless Center. We hope to continue to do volunteer work and show people what Islam is really about. Before we start, we want to introduce our speakers for today. From the left, um, Bentley Patterson, known as Bob, is a self proclaimed recovering Islamophobe, just an average guy from Naperville. He recognized his affliction about a decade ago and started a process of recovery that included a weekly therapy as a co-host of Rise Up. Rise Up is a radio show with Rush Derwish. With Rush now on break, the show has now become Bob and Friends on yahalavoice.com every Wednesday at 4 p.m. The show features co-hosts that talk about social and political issues impacting the Muslim-Christian connections in an effort to bridge the communities together. He is grateful for the people in the community who have reached out to him and now enjoys friendships that he didn't think was possible just a few years ago. Sure. Thank you, Bentley, for being here. Um, our second speaker, Shaden, Ma Shaden Mali, has a bachelor's in industrial organizational psychology and minor in sociology, worked in academic advising and executive search, currently assisting her husband in managing dental specialty practice, and her family works in media, and she is an advocate for the Palestinian people's human rights. She is also the Team Palestine social media coordinator, and she runs races to raise funds and awareness for the Palestinian Children Relief, relief Fund. Um, Shaden is married and she has two daughters, uh, ages 11 and 9. 
And it's my pleasure to introduce my friend, Bilal Shuli, which was born and raised in the Middle East, Jordan to be specific, and lived there until the age of 19. He came to Moraine Valley in the summer of 2014 in uh, to pursue um, his associate's degree in mass communications. He is the president of the Arab Student Union and the treasurer of Model Illinois government. He is also an established rapper, hip-hop, song, uh, songwriter since the age of 17 with a scope on social and political affairs. He will be graduating from Moraine this summer and plans to transfer to a four-year institution. And now our last speaker, Khalid Al-Khatib. Khalid Al-Khatib is the founder and owner of Al-Khatib Law, LLC, a law firm in Chicago. For the past 20 years, Khalid worked for at law firms, accounting firms, and spent 10 years in government, including working for the state of Illinois. He spent several years working for, the, for Mayor Richard M. Daley, where he represented the mayor and the city of Chicago on over 100 occasions, and regularly worked at the Chicago's diplomats representing over 80 countries. Khalid started his legal career as an immigration lawyer, helping clients receive their citizenships, green cards, employment approval, and avoid, avoid deportation. He worked with great lawyers and learned how to best help clients in difficult situations. Khalid also uh, is also on the board of AmVotePAC, which stands for the American Middle East Voters Alliance. It's a political action committee. A lifelong Chicagoan, Khalid completed elementary school, high school, college, and law school in the city of Chicago, earning an accounting degree from Roosevelt University and a law degree from the John Marshall Law School. Thank you, Khalid, for being here today. Thank you. <laughs> also, we, we will be having, we will be asking our guests questions. Our panel moderator today is Nina Shoman Dejani. Welcome, Nina. She's the manager. <laughs> She's the manager of transition and ESL at the college, and also serves as the advisor to the Arab Student Union. Nina holds a master's in international affairs with a focus in the U.S. foreign and domestic policy and is currently pursuing her doctorate in higher education and organizational change at Benedictine University. Nina also teaches in the Middle Eastern Studies program at St. Xavier University. Thank you, Nina. Um, thank you for our, our speakers. Thank you for being here. Um, enjoy, and we hope that this will be beneficial for everyone. Nina. Yes? Can you hear me in the back? Okay, good. Well, we're going to go ahead and jump right in. Thank you for the wonderful introductions about the clubs and the speakers. I really appreciate that. Our students have done a phenomenal job organizing this panel. Um, I want to thank um, the panel on behalf of myself and ASU and MSA, the advisor for the Muslim Student Association, Sundas Mahdi, as well as the library on behalf of the college. Thank you for taking the time out of your day out of your work week um, to be with us. We truly do appreciate it. So we're gonna jump right in. Today's topic is the Arab American Vote Election 2016. We're gonna hear some from some panelists that are of different backgrounds, different ages, different career paths. And we wanna hear what is the Arab American community thinking or Arab American community supporters thinking about this upcoming election. So I'm gonna ask a couple of general questions to the panel, and then I'm going to ask some specific questions to each panelist, if that's okay. 
So if you can just briefly tell me your thoughts on why it is important for the Arab American community to participate in the political process. Why should Arab Americans take the time to be involved and to vote? This is open to any of our panelists. I'll, I'll start out. Um, my name is Khaled. I'll start out. I think the best analogy I heard was from uh, Dr. Jim Zugby, president of the Arab American Institute. And he said, if you don't vote, it's kind of like not showing up to a football game. The other team automatically wins. So I think that's true of the Arab American community, every ethnic and racial minority community. If you don't participate, if you don't get involved, your voice is not heard, you've lost the game. So that, that's the best way I've heard it. And let me just say, I've just silenced my phone, and if we can keep the table conversation to a minimum, it'd be a lot easier, because it's kind of distracting if you're, for anyone who's sitting close. Thank you, Hadi. Thank you. I, I just want to say the proof of getting involved happened in Michigan. In Michigan, you saw an upset victory happen because of a mobilized Arab community. That was huge. So if you need any example of why everyone should get involved and everyone should get in the process, Michigan's it. Well, since you brought that up, Bentley, and I wasn't planning on showing this a little bit later, but um, there was quite a bit of buzz about Bernie Sanders winning Michigan, and, and the Arab community in Michigan is getting credit for that because of the large population in the Dearborn area. And so um, since you put together that segue, that was so unplanned, but uh, I'm gonna show this quick video. It's, it's a minute and 23 seconds, and it kind of gives you an idea um, of what happened in, in Michigan. So let's just watch this real quick. heartwarming stories of this night actually is that Bernie Sanders won Dearborn, Michigan. Now, Dearborn has one of the largest Arab and Muslim populations in America, a Jewish candidate. The largest Arab American enclave in the United States. S Sanders won, uh, a man who has uh, said just last week that he's proud to be Jewish. The Jewish candidate for president in America tonight is carrying the Muslim vote. We have been fighting for a lot of the things that Bernie is talking about, not only um, issues of uh, jobs and income inequality, because a lot of the Arabs who live in Dearborn are blue-collar workers or small business owners. And Bernie is talking about us in a much more inclusive way. If nobody was voting for Hillary. He speaks to issues that matter to those populations, whether it be tikkun olam in Judaism or the idea of social justice in Islam. It's really the same thing. Can I, can I just do a follow-up on that? Sure. What do you guys think? That it, it's awesome. But what that did was that shifted anybody who's now going to run a race in Michigan now knows they need to address the issues of the Arab and Muslim community. That's a huge shift that happened because people stood up, rose up, and got involved in the process. It's going it's, it's to have long-term ramifications, and it's awesome. Mm -hmm. Other thoughts from the panelists about why it's important for Arab Americans to participate in the voting process? I think you can't complain about what's happening with our policymaking. Um, and our foreign policy, uh, policies that are, are implemented overseas, unless we vote for uh, politicians that support our viewpoints. Um, 
So if your voice is, is not heard by your vote, then you cannot complain. Thank you. Bilal, anything to add? I would just like to reiterate the great points that the speakers have said. It's uh, also very important uh, to realize that what Bernie Sanders did in Michigan actually just now highlighted, as uh, Bentley had already stated, the, the, the Arabs' presence and the Muslim presence in the political process that needed to be addressed and was during the, during the uh, Michigan rally by Bernie Sanders. And him winning was a great testament to how powerful that was and how concerned the Arabs in that community are to actually address the issues and not just be in the political uh, process uh, independently, basically. Yeah. So. Thank you. And I also I wanted to add to that um, we've been hearing a lot of anti-Islamic uh, rhetoric coming from the right side, the Republican uh, viewpoint, and. To see a, a strong candidate on the Democratic side that is pro-human um, rights, pro-civil rights, pro-constitution, um, is, is, you know, we need to support somebody like that in, in this climate right now because it's very dangerous what we're hearing from the other side. And um, I am not looking forward to a world um, with Trump as, as the, the leader of the free world here in America. Um, so we have to vote for people that do not have that racist perspective. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Shadi. And we are definitely going to be talking a little bit about Mr. Trump later and some of that negative rhetoric. But, you know, some people are saying that this election is much different. And what candidates are saying um, or getting away with saying this time is not anything we've ever seen historically. So what are your thoughts on what, what is different about this election? And as stakeholders in the Arab American community, you know, how important is the outcome to the Arab community, the Arab and Muslim community, or the Arab community at large in general? I'll speak to that a bit. By the way, for the students sitting over here, we've got some seats up front, but the chit-chat is kind of distracting. Uh, I'll say, you know, Ted Cruz mentioned last week or the week before that he wants to monitor uh, Muslim neighborhoods, radicalized Muslim neighborhoods in the U.S., and a lot of members of the media called him out on that, as they should because no candidate would ever say they want to monitor Jewish neighborhoods or black neighborhoods or Latino neighborhoods because it's just obnoxious and it's racist. One of the anchors, I think on CBS, said, where would you go, where would you start? And he said, well, Dearborn has a big population. She said, yeah, there's a big population, but they're not radicalized. So guess again, where would you go? And he said, well, I don't know, there's others. He couldn't even answer the question about how many Muslims were in the US. And she really called him out on it with a really stern voice. She said, um, so you want to monitor Muslims in the U.S. and Muslim neighborhoods, but you have no idea how many are there. I thought that was fantastic. Mm -hmm. I think what's great is when somebody says something like that, I guess with the exception of Trump, when somebody says something like that, they get called out on it because it's just, it's BS and it's unacceptable, whether it's racist or whatever the other issue is. Um, so I was glad to see that that happened and I think more people have to get involved. Obviously, there's the whole social media aspect. You could have an entire six-hour discussion just on social media and politics and how the world has changed. And it's a good thing and a bad thing. Because if you think about Facebook, I know we're soon to be connected on Facebook. We're connected <laughs> on Facebook. And there's a lot of political discussion. But Facebook is not the right venue. Because the problem is somebody writes something and then goes away. Somebody else writes a response and goes away. You can't have an intelligent discussion. It's good to get some things out there. I post things on Facebook. Um, if it's a credible source, I try not to put my political opinion too much. I will sometimes, but 
in really limited circumstances. So, and that's one of the things we talked about last year with the Arab Student Union on uh, uh, the career panel about, uh, about social media. So anyway, so to, so to sort of sum it all up, I think it's a whole different time with the 24-hour news cycle and with social media and smartphones and everything else. It's easy for opinions to get out there, even unsubstantiated opinions like Donald Trump's. Mm -hmm. Thank you for that. Go ahead, Bilal, you want to say something? Uh, I was just going to say that <coughs> Donald Trump might have, got, uh, might have had the ball rolling in terms of the pattern of how these racist comments came about. I don't know if my mic is on, it is on. Can, Can you guys hear Bilal in the back? Um, uh, he got the ball rolling. Louder, Bilal. They can't hear you. Okay. Um, so, but just to reiterate, uh, Ted Cruz, when he started addressing the issue and talking about only allowing you know, Christian immigrant, Christian refugees, and so on and so forth. It just proves that although Donald Trump had allowed for this rhetoric to exist, none of the Republicans who are now claiming to be against his racist, you know, distortions of the party, uh, when, when, when they wanted to get a, 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 an actual, um, they wanted to get a part or a piece of this rhetoric, they were not able to back it up, which is great. And that, that just worked good for the Muslim community because it shows that, as you said, Dearborn was a great example of this, yeah. unradicalized, and he, he couldn't mention any other examples. Mm -hmm. So, Thank you. You know, um, our panelists are excited and they're very eager, and some of the topics that we had planned to discuss later, I'm just gonna bring up now because they're coming up in the discussion. And, you know, in terms of this negative rhetoric that's happening, and we saw here in Chicago very strong stand, you know, stand against Trump coming. There were, we saw the articles about how black, Latino, and Muslim college students in Chicago rallied to stop Trump's um, rally here and they protested and came together and there's plenty of information online that you can find about this. You know, in terms of working with other communities, right, and working together with other communities, and we have Bentley here as kind of an honorary Arab American at this point. He's been um, a strong um, supporter and ally of many causes, including that of Team Palestine and the Palestine Children's Relief Fund for a few years now. Um, let me ask you, Bentley, because you run, you have a radio show, and people call in, and you know sometimes you don't know who's on the other end. And you were once a caller when Rush had the radio show. So, what are people saying about this? You know, what are what some of the commentary and discussions that you're hearing from Arabs and non-Arabs alike about some of this rhetoric? Well, one of the, I mean, you asked about the historical references. This is dif different at any time. One of the greatest, and, and this is what we talk about, that one of the greatest political motivators of any kind is fear. If you can make people afraid, you can control them. And that is exactly what we're seeing going on now. If you look back through history, McCarthyism, that is what it was all about. It was the big red scare, you know, where we were supposed to be afraid of, of that. And so they motivated people to vote in, in, in a certain block. And that is exactly what we're seeing now. And we're seeing, and, 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 it, and it's playing out against the Arab and Muslim community. It, it, it is completely there. One of my favorite guests that I have on there, besides some of the esteemed panelists here, um, <laughs> is a gentleman by the name of Nathan Lean. Nathan Lean is a professor who works at Bridgetown, and he works with the uh, Georgetown, excuse me. He works with the Bridge Initiative, and he has written a book on Islamophobia and how the GOP is using that as a political tool in this election. And, and it, is, it is so timely, it is so important to hear that. And that's, that's what we're really hearing, is that I, and, and I say in my introduction, I refer to myself as a recovering Islamophobe. 
I have Rush Limbaugh ties. I used to be Rush a Limbaugh fan. I voted, my first person I voted for, Ronald Reagan. It also shows my age, but anyway. Um, but, but so, I mean, I've been a Republican. The first Democrat that I voted for was Barack Obama and, and in the first election cycle. I'll say this safely, looking for an exit. I voted for Bush both times. So and that's yeah. what I mean. It, it, if you look at it politically also, yeah. the, the, in, and I know the topic of this is who the Arabs should vote for, if you look at just the raw political parties and their ideologies, <laughs> you, you look at the parties and you would think that the Arab community, the Arab and Muslim community, would align itself mostly with conservative type right. issues of the GOP. But the problem is, is that they have gotten so divided so interested in dividing things, they, they truly are becoming the great white party. And I started looking at things, and that, that, that is the kind of thing that kind of, I, I figured I needed to learn more. And, and you know, my, my whole journey of, of reaching out and having somebody reach back to me, you know, and say, hey, come on in, you need to learn more. And, and I knew, when I started out seven years ago or whatever, I did not know one Arab or one Muslim. I mean, probably somebody I ran into at the store or somebody, uh, you know, at school or something else. Mm -hmm. But really, I didn't know anybody in the community, and I knew that had to change. And these people befriending me sitting here on the panel have absolutely changed my life and my perspective to the point where that I had to stand up and do something. So I have the radio show now. And just as a quick, it's really uh, awesome. yeah, he does deserve a he does deserve a round of applause. Just a point of clarification: there is a, a quick question that came from the audience. If you could please let them know what an Islamophobe is. <laughs> it, 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 my opinion, and, and I know there's probably some some official you know definition of it, but my opinion is it's an irrational fear of someone who is a Muslim, and and. The call to prayer, the, the call to prayer that was used to scare me and, and because I didn't understand it and, and I associated it with war because my first association with call to prayer was, was in 92 with the, the uh, Persian Gulf War, the first Persian Gulf War. And they, they would stop, it, it just, I couldn't understand. They stopped during this call to prayer and so I associated it with war. It's also why in uh, the movie American Sniper, and I don't know if you picked this up, but in American Sniper, the beginning of the movie starts with a tank rolling through and the call to prayer, which was a dog whistle. I identified it right away. It was a dog whistle to all of us that, hey, you know, that call to prayer is war. And, and, and that's we're at war with Islam. And, and that's the kind of thing that I just absolutely revolt against. It's those kind of messages that we get on a constant basis. Um, that movie ended up being directed by Steven Spielberg, or originally started as being by Steven Spielberg. Spielberg wanted to make it a balanced movie. He wanted to make it from the Muslim point of view, uh, Mufasa's point of view, as well as from the, the sniper's point of view. And they said no, they, they, nixed, they nixed him and brought in Clint Eastwood, who did all the one-sided views. So I mean, Anyway, so I, I, I digress a little bit. Just for clarification, he is recovered from that. Recovering, recovering. <laughs> recovering, he's working on it. And some of you may know Bentley from the community. He often wears a shirt that says, um, Muslims don't scare me, but Trump does. Um, one of his favorite shirts, so you might have caught him. Um, and, you know, Shadden, I, I kind of wanted to ask you, you know, as a mom of young girls and, you know, um, you know, you have many friends, obviously, like me and Sundas and others that have young children. We, we hear this rhetoric. We're, our kids are asking us questions. 
Are your girls coming to you? Are they asking you questions? And what do you say to them um, when they might hear some of this negativity on the news or you know, from others? So I have an 11-year-old daughter and a 9-year-old daughter. And um, my 11-year-old is exposed to um, CNN daily in her classes. Um, especially in her um, social studies class. And um, I'm shocked that right now with all the anti-Islam rhetoric that that's being shown to our, our kids in general. A lot of the language I don't want my, my daughter to be exposed to. Um, I don't have the news on in the house. I don't. Um, I don't uh, listen or watch to traditional uh, mainstream media because I feel like it's so biased. So when my daughters, they have been coming up to me, both of them, um, asking me why, why do people hate us so much? And it makes me very sad. I, honest to goodness, did not know how to answer that question at first. Um, I said, I think there's, you know, and I spoke to my husband about it, and uh, we, we decided that the best way to answer that question is, is to let them know that there's a lot of ignorance and a lot of fear out there, like, um, like Bentley has said. Um, as a matter of fact, Bentley has taken a lot of um, slack from his family. <laughs> and I've seen it. You on, knew. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen it in his conversations on social media with his, with his family um, about, you know, trying to, he's, he's the bridge, uh, trying to connect both communities together to try to show um, his family and his friends that there is nothing to fear, that the best, the best way to um, understand is to, to be friends with, with a Muslim. Um, but as far as, so I, I told my daughters that there's just so much ignorance out there, so much fear, that the best, the best way for you to make a difference and for you as a child um, is, is, is to just basically be a good example. And, um, and, and that's, that's really all that we can say to, to our children, is to you know just be yourself, be a good example, and hopefully, you know, they, they're getting a lot of like ignorant kind of questions too. Like just just the other day, a week ago, this really happened. My daughter um, said uh, that her friend told her, "Why why don't you eat pork?" She said, "Well, you know, it's against my religion." She was, "Oh well, what are you?" And Sarah said she was uh, Muslim, and she goes, "Well, that's that's weird. I don't understand why you won't eat it. It tastes really good." <laughs> Hmm. Yeah, these are no, conversations. Really? Yeah. Sometimes these conversations come up, yeah. they hear, you know, the word Muslim, they don't really think the positive things, they hear yeah. what's on the media and so on. So these are real life struggles. And I think for many of us that have young children, these are things that we have to deal with simultaneously as we as adults are also combating some of that negativity. Um, so thank you for sharing that personal yeah. story. I and she I actually answered, she said, she goes, you have your beliefs, I have my beliefs. Good and that's, her. we told her that. She remembered it. And it, as young as she was, to, to, recog to recognize the answer it that way, it was very nice, mm -hmm. you know? I see some smiles in the audience from some of the moms. <laughs> I want to follow up on uh, kind of what you were talking about with Hollywood and the media, tying into what you asked earlier, Nina, in terms, about, uh, in terms of the Arab American getting, uh, the community getting involved and why they should get involved. Think about a lot of these movies. There's been a little bit of a positive change. Um, and a lot, of these, a lot of these struggles occurred in the past with uh, with African-American and Hispanic uh, representation in movies and on television, and after a lot of complaints and a lot of people saying, why do you have 
non-Latino actors playing Latinos? Why do you have non-African-American uh, actors playing the roles of people? A and they change a lot. There's a whole big issue on it. There's a lot of discussion about it. The point is to get involved. So th there's a show on the Travel Channel called Bizarre Foods with Andrew Zimmern. Uh, several, I don't know, a couple months ago maybe, he was in Palestine and they spent half the show on the, uh, on the Jewish side and half the show on the Palestinian side and it was during Ramadan and he showed a lot of foods and it was a fantastic program. So I emailed the producers, I found it online, uh, I emailed the producer and I just said, I think that was great, it was balanced, I like that you had, had, half, you had half and half and you had a couple different families, I think he was with one main family who was a chef and all the food that they made and I said, I recognize the food, it was portrayed very well. Uh, at one point, there was a, a jet that flew over, and he said that's not a commercial jet. And I thought that was pretty cool. Andrew Zimmern, by the way, is Jewish. I don't know how religious he is, but that's beside the point. The point is, it was a very balanced program. Anybody who's watching it in middle America could see Palestinians eating normal food, regular families, especially there. So I emailed them, and I think uh, that was at midnight. By the time I got up in the morning, uh, she'd responded and asked if she wanted me to, if, if I wanted her to forward the email to Andrew, and I said, absolutely, please share it with him and share it with the whole staff. And I think it's important that they hear from us, yeah. because if they hear positive things, that's good. They're gonna say, hey, there's an audience out there. Because I can bet you, I can guarantee you, they get a lot of response from the other side of people saying, why are you portraying them as normal people? You know they're all animals, you know they're all crazy. And that happens a lot. So every single vote, every email, every letter counts. And I've done that a bunch of times with people. Uh, this happened once, I'm sorry to dominate this, but it happened three, four years ago uh, with Channel 7 News in Chicago where they showed when Israel invaded Gaza and killed a lot of people. At that stage of the war, not last year, but maybe four years ago, um, <laughs> at that stage, 560 or so Palestinians had been killed and three Israelis had been killed. And Cheryl Burton got up and said, and in the Middle East, today, uh, another Jewish uh, Israeli settler was killed, something like that, so there's trouble there. And completely ignored the other side. Right, so I emailed the producer and I said, Either she's completely biased and ignoring the Palestinian side, or she's incompetent. Either way, this is not good journalism. So please address this. He remember, responded. Do you remember the picture of Diane Sawyer being in Gaza, um, but they stated that she was in um, Gaza with the ruins behind her, but they stated that she was in Israel and that that was, do you remember that? There was I a no. picture of that, yeah. There's it many, many examples of this, yes. She had to apologize for, um, and that's important, yeah, so right. I, every vote counts. So with this Channel 7 producer, he responded right away and he said, I apologize, we'll address that right away. Mm -hmm. So I took that email, his email address, and I sent it to 50 or 100 people and I said, please email them, let them know that you're watching because every newscast, every food program, every movie, every elected official, every candidate, every single one counts. And if you don't, if you stay home and you don't vote or you don't get connected or don't do anything, you're part of the problem. And I, I just want to say two things in response to that, Khaled. You know, Khaled did two things. He showed, you know, how connected the Arab community is to issues overseas. So we, we pay very close attention to U.S. foreign policy and how um, elected officials respond or vote, their congressional records and things like that, and how they react to issues in the Middle East, right? Many of us are first generation and we're, we have family overseas. And so even a program where you may see you know, um, misrepresentation, not only as an American do you care just for, you know, the unbiased um, news broadcast that you want to see, but also you, ha you feel a connection. And, and this is something that Arab Americans traditionally pay attention to when there's an election. Um, and then the second thing also is about advocacy. You know, just writing a letter 
um, and or sending a quick email. Many people feel very overwhelmed with how to get involved. I'm not really sure. I'm not really an activist. I'm, I'm not someone that's too involved in politics. But just by sending an email or you know a simple letter, that can make a difference. And so thank you for sharing that. I'm, go I'm going to just switch real quick to Bilal. Um, and then I do have some specific questions for other panelists. Um, I wanted to ask Bilal. Bilal is here as an international student from Jordan. Um, and he doesn't have the right to vote, unfortunately. And I know we have many of our um, ESL students here today. And some of you may have participated in the voting process. And maybe some of you are hoping to do that in the future. I'm wondering to you, Bilal, you know, what is your take on the election? What does it mean for your future or the future of international students, depending on who gets elected? Um, are you worried that you may or may not have a place here? And why do you think youth should be involved? And, you know, just kind of as an observer, what's your take on, on this? Um, well, uh, basically, I don't behave like I'm an observer. For some weird reason, I'm always talking about it and I'm always reading about it. But to uh, kind of answer your question, a part of me is concerned because as me and you talked about this a few days ago as well, and we always talk about that my friends is, um, we're on the receiving end, being holding Jordanian citizenship. We're on the receiving end because you know how these agreements work with the United States of us studying here. Um, it might not be direct, directly affect me, but students after me uh, might actually be affected. International students, great people, and you know, competent students, and uh, extraordinary academic performances might not be able to come here because uh, this uh, election might take a route that might be actually radical to Muslims, Arabs, and not just Muslims and Arabs, international students from other countries. This might lead to, um, this might lead to actually mixing people up. And this, to me, is, is a very scary idea because it just distorts the whole purpose because the only reason I'm here, other than the fact that to enjoy this great country and the opportunities it has, I'm here to learn which is basically the, you know, the, the main goal of every single person that's sitting here that's, that traveled all the way from their home countries, away from their families, living here alone, with no help, not to mention the, the, the cultural shock that we all get when we, when we arrive here, is uh, we're basically here to study. We're here to learn, and that's the only, one of the only, I'm not going to say the only, just one of the only reasons that students, you know, hang on and, and uh, kind of persevere here and eventually really thrive and, yeah. and uh, do well here. It's because we're here to study. So I think, yes, I am concerned and I'm afraid that it might actually affect us, our viability here as international students. So, yeah. And it's not only the community here that's paying attention to the election. Um, you know, Arabs throughout the Arab world and um, in the Middle East and internationally, this election is being paid attention uh, be, being paid attention to. And I heard a, a report the other day on the radio on NPR. Um, one of the journalists was in Tunisia interviewing folks on the streets, and you know, kind of post Arab Spring there and what life is like. And he interviewed a young schoolboy um, at one of the high schools in Tunisia. And um, the young schoolboy says to the American journalist. Are you feeling the burn? And so he says, you know, this kid was, you know, born and raised in, in Tunisia in high school. You know, many um, critics are, are coming down very hard on Tunisia for being, they say, a breeding ground for recruits for ISIS. And he said, this kid, if you could have plucked him out of any American high school, and they are paying attention to what's going on. And, 
you know, and they want to see positive outcomes as well because it obviously does affect our foreign policy who's elected. So, um, Bentley, I know you wanted to say something. Would you well, like I wanted to go back to advocacy. Yes. And, and that the, the importance, we, we talk about the national election, we talk about the presidential election, but we forget about how important the local election and our local official is. Anybody tell me who the uh, local representative is for the U.S. Congress in the area? For Bridgeview? Anybody know? Uh, Dan Lipinski. Dan, Dan, for, for the Bridgeview area. Dan Lipinski is a Democrat, and you would think, oh, you know, okay, therefore he should be good. Dan Lipinski voted against the Syrian refugees. He was one of 47 Democrats to block them. Within four weeks of that vote, he had the gall and the audacity to come to the ADC, the Arab Democratic Club, luncheon, and stand up there and say about how we have to stand together. It out of respect for the people that invited me, I almost threw a size 14 shoe at the microphone. He was, uh, he was going to get up. I was sitting next to him and yes. say, why did you vote against the refugees I, coming into our country? It, he was it, going to say, and we had to stop him because it, we wanted to respect him being there. I, I did. I wanted to respect <laughs> the people who invited me, but it, it, it just blew me away. How could this guy who voted against the Syrian refugees stand up a few weeks later and ask for their vote and saying how we have to stand together? What a hypocrite. I, I, I couldn't believe it. So advocacy, you pick up the phone and you call him and you call everybody in his campaign. He's got three offices here. He's got one in D.C. You call his offices and you say, <laughs> never again, son. You are not going to do this, not on my watch. And that's advocacy. That is getting involved. Because trust me, had that man voted against the Jewish community, you probably wouldn't have been able to make a phone call into his office for the next three days. He, his, his email would have just flooded out and shut down. It would have been incredible. That, and, and that is the other thing that I think that is amazing. You know, we were talking earlier about benchmarking, you know, and how important it is to see how somebody else, um, Troy was talking about how they had an event here that they had borrowed from somebody else. You look at how other communities are successful at doing it. The Jewish community is one of the most political active communities in, in, in anywhere. It's, it's amazing. How many Jews do you think there are in Minnesota? No, but there, there, there can't be that many, right? Yet they have not had anybody but Jewish senators for like 30 years. Mm -hmm. How that happens is they get politically involved and they get in there and they get moving and they get do things and they rise up. And that is why I got involved with Rise Up because the community rises up it, marvelous things can happen and people will have to listen, people will have to respond, and that's what has to happen on a local level, on a local, global level. I want to follow up on that point that Bentley just made about getting involved and talking to your state representative. I think Kelly Burke is the state representative, so oh, she's in oh, the Illinois House, uh, and Dan, uh, Dan Lipinski is the U.S. representative uh, in the Congress, and he took that office from his father, uh, his father's name, I forget his damn name. Uh, Senior. Was it? Yeah, Lipinski Sr., who was there for a long time. And I remember I met with him about 20 years ago through ADC National. We went out to Washington, D.C., and it was meet with your local representatives. So we met with him. We told him about some issues, and it was something about discrimination at the airports. And he said, uh, he might have just, just been hot air, but he said, if you have evidence of that, we'll, we'll take action. But we didn't have evidence then, but I think that was before the Internet. Uh, but the point, or it was about the time it just started in 94, so, but the point is, you have to get involved. And I've heard some elected officials say, especially when it comes to foreign policy, 
on the, on the international level, they'll say, we vote for something, we vote pro-Israel, for example, and we get 100 letters or emails or whatever phone calls in support. And we don't hear from your community. We might hear one, whether they vote for or against. You guys, if you don't speak, you don't exist. And that's true, taking it back to Hollywood, if you think about movies about, uh, about the mafia, about the mob, about the Italian mafia, Almost every single movie is going to have, you're going to have the gangsters who are Italian, and then you're going to have an FBI agent whose name is Angelo Russo, and he says, my grandparents came here from, from Italy, and you're a disgrace to the Italians, you give us a bad name. So there's a balance. With a lot of other movies, I haven't seen American Sniper, uh, but a lot of other movies, there's no balance. So you have to send letters, emails, phone calls, and say, listen, damn it, this needs to be more balanced. This is a stupid movie, and it's unbalanced, and you have to be vocal. You should still be diplomatic, but if you add the word stupid, it's much stronger. <laughs> and and uh, if I may, most of these films actually grew to what they became today, balanced, and they present this balanced argument is because um, so many after, uh, after the, the whole gangster and mafia films in that era, so many Italians and, and, uh, and Spanish people, Hispanic people joined the authorities, joined, you know, there was the police departments, so on and so forth, which forced filmmakers, one way or another, to respect that. Although, as we sa we s we've seen the other day with the chief of police in New York, and he mentioned how he had 900 Muslims in his, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, in, uh, whether between New Jersey and New York as an officers, and still we don't see any of that positive representation in the films. And that, my point is to reiterate how advocacy is very important and to be mm -hmm. con connected and uh, to always uh, state your opinion to those and, and address it to whom it actually concerns and who can actually make a difference. Yes. Well, advocacy, and each of us is an ambassador. So we have the Arab American Police Association, where there are 60 or 70 members, and there's Chicago Police, Suburban Police, State Police. I know there's some FBI and Secret Service agents, but I'm not sure if they're in the group. But there's a lot out there. I think more people need to know about that. More people need to know about Arab Americans who served in the US Armed Forces. More people need to know about Arab Americans who are physicians, who are teachers, who are attorneys, who are your next door neighbor, who are your friend, who are your classmates. So each, is, each of us is an ambassador. So think about that. If you have somebody, uh, and Bentley, if you want, maybe you can talk about this from your experience. If you've never met an Arab American or a Muslim, for example, and you met somebody who was a big jerk, that's all you're going to know, right? And that's each of us. If I never met anybody from New Jersey, and I meet somebody from New Jersey who's loud and obnoxious, I'm going to say, ah, those New Jersey people uh, are loud and obnoxious. And I'll give you a real example. When I was younger, because I'm not as young now, but when I was younger, uh, when I was in high school and college, I used to always make fun of people from the South because of their accent, because they're not that smart, because whatever. And part of that I got, I admit it was completely 100% ignorant on my part. I, I got that from television and movies. When I started law school, some of my best friends and the smartest people in our class were from the South. They were from Tennessee, they were from Georgia, from Alabama, from Texas, and one of them was practically crying and she confessed, you people in North, you think you're so smart. You think that we're so dumb in the South. And I felt like such a jerk, and I felt really bad, and I realized, holy crap, they are some of the smartest students, and because of this BS in the movies, I bought into it. And that's exactly what's happening right now with Arabs and Muslims. So think about that. Yeah. Well, imagine what the world would think if all they ever saw of us here in America is the ghettos and the projects and um, the, the stupid South people, uh, so Southern people, like you were just saying, of course they're not. They would think that we're all ignorant, we're all racist, we're all violent. and. Like you were saying, that's not the case. That's not the truth. And but yet, that's all they see of us, the Muslims. All they see is ISIS, and um, the ones that are socio-political terrorists, not that represent our religion. 
And, and I just want to add something, you know, Khaled, you, you brought up, um, Bentley brought it up, and then you kind of piggybacked on it. You know, historically, you know, Arab Americans being involved in politics or, or people of Middle Eastern descent, Muslim, it's not new. We just don't necessarily hear about it. We don't see those images. I recently gave a workshop um, on Arab Americans and, and stereotypical images um, here at the college. And one thing I talked about is the, it's not only that there's negative um, stereotypes in the media and U.S. popular culture, but there's a lack of diversity, right? We don't see the doctors and the politicians. And let, just last night in my class at St. Xavier, a group of students did a um, presentation on notable Arab Americans, and one of the pictures that they had in their slideshow was of Ralph Nader. And, and Ralph Nader was a, a potential presidential, um, well, he was a presidential candidate, could have been the president, and he's of Lebanese descent. Um, and there has been some involvement in Chicago and other places in the country. And recently, there's a new group called Amvote Pack, semi-new. And I know that you're on the board there. So, Khaled, if you could just touch on, you know, briefly, um, you know, a couple minutes on local politics. You know, the importance of being involved in local politics. And and historically, you're a native of Chicago. Can you tell us a little bit about the work maybe with Mayor Daly or in the community at large, some organizations that have existed and some of the work that's been done Absolutely. that many of the audience members may not know about? Uh, AMVOTE is a new group. It's the American Middle East Voters Alliance. Uh, I've been on the board, I think we just formed in the past year and a half or so. We had our big event a couple months ago. Uh, prior to that, I was, guys over here, there's an echo over here to the left. Excuse me. Uh, Troy so needs to hire uh, Khaled to police that library. Prior, so sorry, there, there's an echo. I don't mean to be rude, but there's an echo. Uh, prior to that, I was on the board of the Arab American Democratic Club. I was with them for about 15 years, president for about two. We had a lot of candidates who came through. One of the things we used to do is we used to do a brunch on Sunday mornings. Uh, we tried different times, by the way. So uh, we tried evening, Saturday. Sunday morning worked, and I think because it appealed to people who are watching the Sunday morning talk shows and who are really politically involved, and we used to have dozens and dozens, sometimes almost 100 candidates. And they knew they wanted to come to our event because we had four or 500 people, sometimes more. Um, and it was fantastic. And we gave every single person the microphone for 30 seconds. We could say, you can go up there, say, my name is Bentley Patterson. I'm running for judge, and I'll leave flyers on the table. My name is John Smith. I'm running for representative, whatever. So we built a relationship with a lot of elected officials, and they liked our event because they saw four or 500 or more active Arab Americans, and that represented a lot of votes, potential donors, and they saw that the, the, the votes counted. So I think that was a re that's a really important group. They're obviously still around. AMVOTE is the same way. AMVOTE is nonpartisan. So we support Democrats and Republicans. And again, it's important to get involved. Prior to that, I worked in Mayor Daley's office. I worked for another elected official, and I was at the state. And I could tell you, if you don't vote, if they don't hear from you, nothing's gonna happen. Lots of times, change happens because people complained. And if it's one person, it might not be enough, but uh, for example, lots of times policies change in government because the Sun-Times uncovers a scandal. And then everybody starts scrambling, oh my God, we didn't know, we gotta change this. And some, it's some things that have existed, in some cases, it's a problem that's existed for years, but when it's uncovered by the media, they take action. The same is true with political communities. If you get out there and you protest and you talk, and I'm not a big fan of protests unless there's thousands of people, otherwise it's just noise because it has to be organized and there has to be a specific message. And that's where social media comes in because it's very easy. It's very easy to 
write a message, a simple three or four sentences, we disagree with you on this, please pay attention to this, here's whatever, something, some information, and then you can copy and paste that, and other people can copy and paste it, send it to your, your mayor, your elected official, and other folks. The mayor here in Palos Hills is Jerry Bennett. I don't know if I can call him a friend, but I see him regularly through, I've got a client that does technology, we meet with him, he's been a regular speaker at the Arab Democratic Club, huge supporter of the community, and he's a great guy. And it's important to continue to reach out to folks and see them, because if they don't know you, you don't exist, and that's important. Mm -hmm. Thank you. you I oh, go ahead, Chef. I was just gonna ask, and, I, and what I love about uh, um, AMBOAT is that you will let, a, let the Arab community know who is um, uh, pro, Middle Eastern uh, policies, you know. Absolutely, or, we, yeah. we endorse candidates. Both yeah. organizations endorse candidates. And part of what we're doing lately is we're saying, listen, we want you to be aware that there's an Arab community, there are Arab Christians and Arab Muslims, and there are Muslims who are Arab and non-Arab, but so with, with both organizations, they represent the Arab, Arab American community, uh, Muslim and Christian. And we say to them, listen, there's a big community, we've got doctors, lawyers, teachers, police officers, you name it, we've got it. So on your staff, you should consider hiring people, because we've got a lot of people. We've got a lot of people here at Moraine Valley, even the people who are chit-chatting. We've got people who are studying, who are looking for jobs, so we want you, and we had this meeting a month ago, or five weeks ago, before the election, we met with three candidates, and we said, we want you to think about hiring people from our community. You haven't done much hiring, we want you to use your influence, we're gonna endorse you, but don't forget we're here. And it's not, there's a very fine line. So we're not saying, if you give us jobs, we'll give you votes. That's not what we're saying. What we're saying is, we want to support you, but we're going to support the candidate who supports our community. So please support us. We want to support you. Mm -hmm. I want to switch um, back over to Bilal now. You know, from our student perspective, if you're having a conversation with your fellow students and friends about the elections. What are some, what's the buzz? Like, what are some things that you're hearing? What are some of the conversations that are happening? And are your friends or family overseas asking you questions about what's happening here or if it's affecting you? Yeah, <clears throat> okay. that's a good question. Thank you, Nina. Um, well, to start here, um, I would like to first just, just uh, you know, pay homage to the students that are here, uh, the non-Arab students that are very understanding, very aware, as opposed to, I've been to New York a few weeks ago and I and I've, uh, I've, I, I see how most people look at Arabs still, although New York is a really, really, uh, it's a melting pot. And here in our small community, we have people that are so aware. And this, this all, of course, traces back as well to Moraine and how there's a lot of you know, diversity when it comes to student civic engagement, which is incredible. And that's why here I haven't been having a lot of problems at Moraine. I actually feel at home fully. Can you so tell them about MIG, about your involvement with the model Illinois government? Just yeah, since you're on the topic um, of here. Me and, and a few other students from the Arab Student Union as well had participated in uh, the Model Illinois government, which is basically a simulation of the Illinois Congress. And we just had the annual uh, simulation in Springfield uh, last month. It was in February, yeah. Uh, end of February. And we were a part of, we actually got a chance to see how the political process uh, is carried out by senators and House representatives. For example, me and Kareem, we were in the Senate. He was a Republican. I was a Democrat. <laughs> but yeah, and uh, and it was it was incredible. We got so many questions, and even there, even those students that were participating were also very aware. Some of them weren't, and we had the chance to have really constructive 
you know, uh, conversations and, and um, I think it's just phenomenal that you have chance. these students yeah. from Jordan. And Ramiz was with you guys as well. Also Ramiz another well. student from Jordan. These three students from Jordan that have been here for a couple of years now are representing Marine Valley Community College at the model Illinois government. And they're so immersed in the process and so understanding. And you guys do deserve Thank a you. round of applause. Thank you. And, but to go back to your question, I know I strayed off a lot. But so uh, <laughs> you, uh, when, when you asked about what's the families asking mm -hmm. from back home, right? That's basically what the question. Well, my mom is really worried. She was always worried, like she's always like, you know, just because they have this idea of these m Middle Eastern ladies, and at some point, regardless of how educated they are, and you know how intellectual they are, she still asks me to be home because I'm in Chicago. She thinks I'm in Chicago. She'd be home before sundown, and I asked her, like, mom, don't worry. It's not, not, you know, it's not. These folk tales turn out not to be true that they've been telling us since we were kids, but. They ask, they ask me a lot if, if we were being affected, and I tell them that not yet. I'm not sure if we will be by the elections, but so far what we're doing is, I feel like it's very important because it had actually stimulated this movement from students and people my age and you know, to kind of go after, uh, uh, you actually be, be uh, involved in these elections mm -hmm. and to be, uh, to be aware and actually just stay updated with what's going on. I, I know it's, it's a negative mm -hmm. uh, stimulus, I was to say, but at least at least it got them involved. So I believe it is. Yeah, it's it's good for students, and because now everyone's trying to be aware. So mm -hmm. yeah. I want to um, just show a couple more things, and then we're going to segue into questions. You know, the um, the little video I showed you earlier about Bernie Sanders. Again, there's other articles out there. You know, winning the um, Arab American vote and, and him working very closely. There are some Arab American advocates such as um, Linda Sarsour who's very outspoken and is now campaigning for him openly and, and on the uh, trail with him, I believe. She introduced him at a rally the other day as well as Ahmed Zahid, a well-known Arab American comedian who we actually brought to campus a few years ago. Um, and, and you know, people are making this comparison, oh wow, it's such a big deal because he's Jewish American and all these Muslims and Arabs are voting for him, but it kind of just goes to set the example. That's not really our concern, right, Shannon? Well, I, I think I, the Jewish community, especially right now with, with uh, some of the anti-Islamic um, rhetoric that's happening right now with Trump, that they identify with us most. Because back in uh, around World War II, uh, Hitler was saying the very same exact thing about the Jews, that um, they there was a lot of division, and um, Hitler blamed the Jews for um, the economic conditions of, of uh, Germany, and he basically branded them, just like Trump wants to do with us, mm -hmm. the Muslims, wants to put us in a database and separate us. Um, so yes, I think definitely it, it's the most logical conclusion is to vote for Bernie, who does not want that to happen again to any group of people. Any clothing, uh, closing thoughts, 30 seconds a minute from each one of you before we open for questions? In general. In general, I think uh, I have to stress every single one of us is an ambassador. So I'm sure a lot of you have the same experience I've had from grammar school, high school, college, law school, every job, every neighbor, every friend and classmate. Not every, but from a lot I've heard, Khalid, you're the first Arab I've ever met. You're the first Muslim I've ever met. And that's important. And I'm sure we've all had the, the same experience. I don't know if you've had that experience. But uh, it, th that's important because you, 
want to expose them to who we are and who we're not. And I tell people really quickly that there are 22 Arab countries and there are Arab Muslims and Christians and, and there are Muslims who are Arab and non-Arab and please try our food. And I've taken people out to lunch and dinner and we've had them over the house to have dinner and it opens up a whole new world to them. They're like, holy cow, you guys are normal people. That's important. Just like to add to what you're saying, just the fact that I'm a Muslim and I'm not wearing hijab, they think automatically, if you're a Muslim, you should be wearing hijab. So, oh, well really, you're a Muslim, but you're not wearing hijab. So just that, by knowing me, they've been uh, exposed to something different than what they were told or what they thought they knew. I just want to say thank you very much for giving me this opportunity. Um, it, it's all about building bridges. And, and, and these folks here have all been, all. Actually, Nina, I don't think you've been on the radio with me. I, I know Sam has, but <laughs> in any event, you know, these are part of Bob and Friends, and this is what it's about. If we can show other people how these bridges can be built, a bridge is just, if no one crosses it, it's just a monument. And so we need people to cross. And so I'm seeing part of my community start to make that reaching out and, and, and people reaching back. It's really a neat thing, and uh, through that, we can defeat the people that are using fear as a political weapon, and that's what we've got to do together. Bentley's show, by the way, is he's being humble, but his show is very important because he has a lot of people on there talking about Arab American issues. I know it's online and on the radio. I forget what the number is, but I have it saved. Uh, 4 p.m., Yahala Voice, and it's yahalavoice.com is the easiest way to find it. We're streaming live now. We've got a Ustream channel, so you get to see my ugly face as well. A lot of great uh, guests on there. And uh, if, if, I, if I can say... A lot of people who are not aware of what, what it means to be an Arab or ha they haven't met Arabs, and this, this is the case in a lot of close communities, just like we have our communities, um, they don't understand, the line is very fine, and they don't understand that there might be outliers to that line, there might be people that, are, that don't function under that, which, which is most people in this case, don't function under that stereotype and uh, the image they had drawn uh, of us. And it's only right that we, the only thing we can do, especially I'm talking to the younger folks who coexist peacefully with other people at uh, institutions, uh, whether it was universities or at the workplaces, it's your responsibility and I feel like it's our responsibility and that's what we've been doing since we've been here is to talk to them and introduce them, as Khaled said, be very welcoming and because they're not expected to know, uh, th there should be a learning process. They're not just expected to magically know who you are and what you stand for. So just make sure you understand that the fine line shouldn't be as fine as these people think. So, yeah. So be welcoming and answer questions. That's the best way. Thanks. Thank you, Very and true. thank you all so much. Let's give them a round of applause. So this has been amazing. Again, they all took time out of their day to be here, and we do truly, truly appreciate it. Before you get up, because we're not quite done, there are some questions that people have. So we're gonna open it up to the audience. Um, any questions that you have for the panel or if you have a general question, I know that there's a hand in the back. And I have um, a mic, so ra raise your hand and I'll come yes, to you. Yes, so raise your hand and Troy here. will come in. Please remain quiet and respectful of those that are asking the questions and as the speakers um, speak, I'd really appreciate that, thank you. So you guys never mentioned anything about Hillary Clinton and she's the worst between the all candidates. You guys mentioned about Trump, but Hillary has, like, Hillary has more chances to win than Sanders. And right? the other person we didn't mention was Cruz. Yeah. I, I mean, Cruz, he has one of the biggest Islamophobes ever as on his staff, Frank Gaffney. And, and so I, that man is frightening. Cruz, Cruz scares me even more. And, and, and people will, will ask me, uh, you know, who, and, and part of the topic here is who's the best person to vote for. In the primaries, I advocated voting for Donald Trump. 
Does anybody know why? He's the it, Cruz is one of the reasons. Go ahead. And, and, and Trump was the easiest to beat. If, if you wanted a Democratic candidate, I mean, you, you didn't want Cruz, you didn't want, he, he was the easy, Trump's the easy, slam dunk. I mean, he's got 70% negative women ratings already. That's a landslide. So okay. vote for Trump in the primary. Vote for Trump in the primary because you set him up as being, it's, it's Operation Chaos in reverse. It, it, it's, it's, but so I mean, you know, and these are kind of the political games you gotta play. I, I, I mean, you've gotta think things through on who to do it. But you're absolutely right. There are many negatives on many of the candidates. You're kind of picking your worst poison or, or the poison to which you have the best antidote to. Um, and, and so, yeah, you're right. You can point the negatives out of many of the campaigns. Yeah. You know, you, so you said we didn't, nobody mentioned Hillary. I think that's a, that's a very good point. And I know the, the topic here is who's best for the Arab American community. This presentation could easily be 10 hours long and you could do so much on each candidate. Um, I, for, I'll tell you who I voted for. I voted for Bernie Sanders because he's the first person ever, I remember, presidential candidate to not go to APAC and to criticize APAC and to say that the Palestinians have rights. And I think just generally speaking, he seems like a very sincere, decent person. So I think for me, it's gonna be Bernie or Hillary, um, but, uh, but I like what Bernie stands for. All the things he's done, it's for the people. So the question for you is, that each of you has to ask yourselves, is what's the biggest issue to you? Is it foreign policy? Is it student debt? Is it unemployment? Is it discriminations? All these things at the federal level, there are a lot of different issues. For me, Bernie was the best person. Got a quick question. Um, first off, oh. can everybody hear me okay? Um, just a, a quick question. First off, thanks so much for coming. Your, your voices are very much welcomed here at Moraine Valley. Um, outside of the election, what are some of the general um, ideas that you have about what would be, a, be the best candidate, whether it would be foreign policy, domestic, as Muslim Americans? You mean outside the presidential election cycle? So more issue related as opposed yeah. to name related. Okay, yeah. well, well, for me, I'll just say really quickly. For me, it's um, about the Palestinian-Israeli issue. So I would vote for a candidate that I would feel uh, would give less support. I think they're all going to give support to Israel, but I personally would vote for someone who would give less support to Israel. Uh, because we all know the uh, apartheid and the human rights violations that are happening over there. I do not want my tax money to support um, that kind of um, inhumane treatment of any group, but especially to Palestinians because I have a personal connection uh, with that. Uh, if I may also add to that, I believe that uh, politically, I keeping up uh, politically, if, if there's some light shed on the Arab American communities, a positive, just an attempt at an unbiased or objective light on the Arab American communities, there might be a chance that our whole image in the social media uh, might change, might actually be drawn in, in, in brighter or lighter colors than it is now, than it has been for the past uh, decades. So I believe that politically, other than uh, uh, elections, it, it's, it's very important that we have a, 
um, uh, a candidate that is actually looking at that objectively in order for social media, pop culture, and, and even smaller communities to catch on. Because it basically trickles down. And even our, in, our Arabs' images in international media might be affected by that, given the, the power and the strength of the United States and the influence that it has over all, all other countries. Yeah, I think there are a lot of issues to consider in any election cycle, whether it's presidential or, or local. But I absolutely cannot support a candidate like Ted Cruz or Marco Rubio, who pretty much dismisses the existence of Palestinians. My father and my grandfather were both born in Palestine before 1948, so to hear Rubio or Cruz say, these people don't exist, they don't deserve any rights, I have zero respect for them. Because they would never say that about a lot of other communities. But because we're a smaller number, we get treated like garbage, and that's unacceptable. So even if I agree with a candidate on other issues, if they don't have, if they don't treat us with decency and respect and aren't fair, they don't get my vote. Socially liberal, fiscally conservative. Um, I would like to see someone who has good judgment because the next president's gonna pick the next probably three or four Supreme Court justices. That's very important to me because that'll set up for generations. Um, and, and then the, the other one on there is the presidents really only control. You know, they'll talk about fiscal issues, they'll talk about all sorts of other things. Foreign policy. So I wanna hear their foreign policy statement and, and I wanna hear where they are. Um, and those are the important things to me. Thank you. We have a question right up front. Uh, I want to ask uh, one question. How uh, we can trust any of the uh, candidates? Uh, they can't. all candidates. Uh, they always uh, say the good uh, things. Then they change uh, mind. How we can trust they, uh, all the Arab, uh, the first issue in Palestinian. Uh, but uh, when uh, the war in, Ga in Gaza, uh, Obama didn't say anything for this. How we can trust? I think that's a good question. So when candidates run for office, they always say the right things. They come here and they say, Moraine Valley College is the best college ever. <laughs> then they go to Bentley College. Bentley College is the best. Then Shadden College is the best ever. And they're trying to get your vote. So sometimes it's, they're insincere and they'll say whatever they will to get your vote. And sometimes, uh, basically what you have to do is you have to stay involved by, like we were talking about earlier, letters, emails, attending things, voting for them, letting them know that you exist. So supporting the Arab American Democratic Club or AMVOTE, writing emails and making phone calls on your own, showing up to their offices, asking for meetings, all those things. But so when somebody says that, it's, it takes a lot, all of us, one or two of us aren't gonna make a difference because there's yeah, thousands sure. of other voices on the other side. Um, so it takes a lot of just staying in touch. Hey, you said this when you were running, now you change your mind, just like Lipinski, uh, we're, that's unacceptable. So we want an explanation. So make sure they know you're watching them and you're listening to them. Because lots of times when they go to Washington or Springfield or wherever, they vote for things and they say, ah, Khaled's not paying attention, he's watching TV. Ah, uh, Shadden's not paying attention, she's watching the Kardashians. And that's true, not with Shadden, but that's true with a lot of people. They don't pay attention. And you have to watch the votes and say, hey, we read this vote, what the hell is this? You said you were gonna vote this way, now you voted this way. Well, it's what, yeah, I, that's BS. You need to explain this. And you have to call them out on it. You have to be diplomatic, but still use the word stupid, that really helps. Malal <laughs> has an answer, he would like to respond in yani Arabic for him. اثبت وجودك واسال اهم شيء تكون مهتم هو اللي عم بحاول يحكي الاستاذ خالد كمان انه اهم شيء تكون انت مهتم انك تثبت وجودك وتسال وتبعث وتتواصل عشان بالاخر هاي انت وظيفتك انا مع اكزاكتلي العرب سوري اي لاف ذات بس بدناش نبعد كثير اه تفضلي لما انا احكي وان 
I am Muslim. I am wearing hijab. They didn't uh, listen to me. You, they you know, don't care about me. You know, let me tell you something. There is a growing movement now, the Jewish Voice for Peace. And part of our uh, interfaith group we have, that Bentley is a part of, uh, many people are Jewish on this group that are so pro-Palestinian <laughs> rights. I mean, more so than I am. Yeah. Some of them will not even go to Palestine until I can go to Palestine without being given, interrogated and given a hard time. So it is changing. There's, there's, there's a movement. It's still not where we would like it to be, but I think little by little, uh, step by step, we'll get there because it's all about human rights at the end. And remember, uh, I was talking about how, what I thought about Southern Americans when I was younger. I think a lot of people think about Muslims that way now until they start meeting more Muslims and they meet women with hijab and say, oh my God, she's really interesting and she's smart and she's normal and she's smart or whatever. Uh, and I've met an Arab family. I met a Muslim family. I tried their food. I listened to them. It was very interesting. They're normal people and they become friends. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and the, the key thing is, is find an advocate. Find somebody that you can work with that, that's an advocate for you, that, that, that brings you in and introduces you and makes the introductions for you. It is so key in, in, in my introduction, you know, I had somebody essentially that brought me into the community and introduced me around and now my whole world has changed in a few short years. I mean, I literally, I, I, I said that, I, the, the call to prayer used to scare me. Now I'm like, bring it on, let's, you know, it, it's, I've been to mosques, and everybody thinks I'm FBI, but that's a whole <laughs> other story. You know, that's a different literally, discussion. Literally, literally, literally. I went to the mosque in Naperville. They had a speaker come in, uh, the guy from Guidus TV. And, and, and one of the people took me aside, and he took me into this room, and he sits me down, and he goes, okay, I want you to introduce me, and I don't know the guy's name, like, like Bill Jeffries. And I'm like, I, I, I don't know Bill Jeffries. And, he, and he's looking at me, he goes, you don't know Bill Jeffries? He's the, the local director of the FBI. And I'm like, I swear I am not <laughs> FBI, but anyway, that's my my cross to bear. But yeah, really find somebody to introduce you. That's a really good about. example of we have to be welcoming in our communities. So like Arabs and Muslims have to be very welcoming for people to get to know our communities, open the mosques, open you know our community centers to others, and and we find friends like Bentley that are willing to come through. And if you are paying attention to what's happening in the elections, you know Linda Sarsura nationally known activist, Arab, Muslim, Palestinian descent, with the hijab, is introducing Bernie Sanders, and he's a Jewish-American candidate. So, um, you know, and um, Bilal wants to remind us that's his mom's cousin, so <laughs> relative. Um, any last questions or comments? And yes, Hello, Latifa. Uh, my name's Latifa, and I brought my ESL class here. And uh, my ESL class isn't just Arab-Americans, but there's one thing that I really wanted to hear from you guys, and maybe you can add on to that is that it's not just about Arab Americans, there's also the Hispanic group and then there's their African Americans and there's other minority groups that aren't being looked at. So the one thing I would like to hear you guys talk about is unity. And with unity, we can get things done. And as you know, the larger the group is and the, the stronger the un union is, we can get things done. So we have to do this as a group, we have to stand together. And it's not just about Arab Americans, it's also about the Hispanic community and the African American community and all the other small communities that the presidential candidates aren't looking at, so we can get what we need to get done. Can I address that? Sure. Um, one of my favorite things, I went to the anti-Trump rally, 
that was outside downtown Chicago, and it was almost entirely students. I mean, I, it was like 80% students, but it was from every walk. You're absolutely right. The Hispanic community was there. The African-American community was there. The, the, the Muslim community was there. The Jewish Voices for Peace were there. I mean, it was everybody there. And my favorite chant of that day that I recorded was, show me what America looks like. This is what America looks like. And, and we were on the outside. We were, we were the ones behind the barricade. But that was what, I mean, it was, it was a festival. It was a fun environment. And, and you know, the news covered is, oh, you know, it was ugly, violent. No, I had a blast. <laughs> I, I walked through there. People were high-fiving, stopping. I had my, you know, Muslims don't scare me, Donald Trump does. People were stopping me. We were taking pictures. I probably was on <laughs> 50 Facebook pages. It, 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 it was an absolute blast. But that's exactly the unity that we get. And through that unity, we are stronger. I mean, that, that was, if I, I'm out of many, one. That, that was, um, before in God we trust, that was going to be the slogan of America. Out of many, one. And, and there's so much truth to that, that out of that, we're so much stronger. Absolutely. Uh, the unity and the working awesome. together, bringing people together, I, I think that's very huge. And in case you guys missed it earlier, Bentley is not FBI. <laughs> <laughs> Bentley is not FBI. Thank you. Thank you, Thank you. all.